BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. Becoming your strongest financial self? Good plan. Northwestern Mutual's Guide to Good Financial Planning can help you balance spending and saving, set goals, and start creating the life you want to be living. Get it today at northwesternmutual.com slash good plan. The Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. If you travel, you know how to pull off a perfect getaway. You know after you enroll with your Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card, you get up to $10 back monthly on U.S. rideshare purchases with select providers, like a car to the airport. You know which remote retreats have the best herbal baths and where the Wi-Fi password is rarely used because you're the escape artist. It's why you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Terms apply. Purchases must be on card. Visit go.amic slash you know. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Fads come and go. And nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Welcome to Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. I am Joe Galena. And as always, I am joined by my buddy, Scott Chu. How's it going today? You know, not too bad. The only thing that's bugging me is like my sinuses are all weird. And I think it's this stupid air quality stuff that keeps happening. Like one more reason for me to not go outside and be active, which is great. Like I'm being affected by the uh, the the fires in Canada. Yeah, we, we get air quality warnings here in, yeah. in southern Michigan, which mm-hmm. just I mean, like you can't there's only been one day where you could like see the smog mm-hmm. like over the area. But otherwise, like today, it, like you don't really notice until you've been out. Like I took a long walk yesterday and then, you know, last night and this morning, I'm like, oh, like it's super stuffy and it's more than just like allergies. It's like yeah. it's like uh, if you ever I mean, we both did. 
live in a time where you can go to bars before the smoking ban. Right. Like it's not that bad, like in terms of what you smell and what you experience. But that next morning, like just that little bit of like rasp in your throat, yeah, that little yeah. bit of that gunk. Yeah. That that's what I'm getting right now. So yeah, I mean, it, it's great though because now it's my excuse to just sit on my butt and watch baseball all day. There you go, there you go. Just uh, make sure you change that uh, filter in your air conditioner. I'll tell you, a few weeks ago in New York, we had it bad, the air quality from the, the fires in Canada to the point where, you know, a couple of days you could actually go outside and see the tint. It was like an orange tinge that you saw. And just from lower Manhattan, you know, looking over at New Jersey, you really noticed the difference. And, uh, you know, we were actually working from home a couple of days that they said the air quality was so bad. So uh, hopefully everything's OK up there in Canada. But it's amazing how that could travel so far, you know, yeah. that, and and just to bring baseball back into it, the Tigers actually had a game canceled yeah, earlier this Yankees season. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Good. All right. Well, uh, like I said, I uh, hope everything's okay up there in Canada and they get the uh, wildfires uh, in control. But uh, just to let everyone know, we're recording this podcast on uh, July 16th. It's about 1210 Eastern time. And, you know, I've been prepping for the for the podcast in the background. I'm watching the Wimbledon championship match between Carlos Alcaraz and Novak Djokovic. Right. So they, they showed that uh, Djokovic is wearing this uh, supposedly nanotechnology patch like uh, right, you know, right above his stomach. And supposedly he claims that uh, the device converts the body's heat because it's you know, obviously they're sweating a lot. They're, they're playing for hours uh, into microscopic beams of light uh, and then they are then used to allegedly stimulate the central nervous system basically you're taking the heat off your body and using it to your advantage so you know as the dog days of summer you know august typically you know known as the dog days of august maybe some uh, uh major league ball players might uh, get some use out of this yeah, I mean, it sounds more legit than those weird silver necklaces they were all wearing for a while, <laughs> right? The ions or whatever. Right. So, hey, maybe. I mean, it sounds like science, <laughs> hocus pocus stuff. Yeah. But hey, I mean, if he believes it, and you know, the guys won uh, tons of championships, so like you know, sometimes it's a placebo. Sometimes, right? So, yeah, we'll, I we'll almost see. wonder if that's like the next phase of performance enhancing drugs is going to be like performance enhancing wearables. Yes, right. Right. That like yeah. makes you fat. It's like it almost sounds like out of a comic book. Like, oh yeah, I slap this thing on, and now I've got a superpower. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Good style. I like you bringing the uh, superheroes into the conversation. That's that's awesome. I so, thought you would, Joe. Yeah, I thought yeah, you yeah. would. You know me. I'm a geek. Right. Got my Comic Con tickets already for New York. I'm not going to San Diego. Went there a few years back. A lot of lot of fun. But uh, but uh, so hey, you know, um, we uh, spoke about Otani in our last podcast and all of a sudden now <laughs> the angels are saying that they might entertain some offers and why wouldn't they at least entertain and listen right uh you know you could say that maybe they could you know let's say if they do trade him i mean trout mike trout is going to be out for up to eight weeks we spoke about that last week and if they could get a boatload of you know top-notch prospects and then maybe even sign otani back uh, you know, next year as a free agent, you know, uh, why not? I mean, I'm not saying they're going to trade him, but it wouldn't hurt to listen. No. Yeah. So first of all, I, I feel like all of us are going to say the same thing. And that's, we don't think he'll be traded because right. baseball, 
the the owners in baseball are not creative enough or fun enough to do something like that <laughs> right. right like the the kind of package and situation you would need to make this trade like first of all there are maybe what like three potential trade partners because the only people that would be interested and willing to send anything that the angels could consider accepting are going to be the biggest market teams that feel like they could sign him Right. Because you can't you can't trade him without thinking you're going to, you know, you can't just be like, oh, well, we'll see if we sign him. Right. right. You don't want to mortgage your future, you know, if you don't think that he's part of your future. Although, right? to be time. fair, mm-hmm. right. Like, I, I am sure that a high level team, like if you're the Diamondbacks, like you got to be thinking like, I mean, if we're going to win a World Series, wow. that's one way to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, give us another ace. Give us a power hitter and let's go. Mm-hmm. Right. And then they no longer have to worry about, you know, can Corbin Carroll, you know, uh, stay together for a full season. Right. I mean, right. the MLB season's a grind. He's never played a full 162 game season at the big league level. So, you know, it, it would give them a lot. It'd be really cool. And they would never, ever do it. Mm. Right. Because they probably have to trade Corbin Carroll. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> I mean, because that's that's the other that's the other side of it is like, think about it just from a fantasy perspective. If you're in a daily league where Otani can hit and pitch, right? What would it take to get him from you, right? Like, th- there's no there's no offer, mm-hmm. right? I actually, I, I was able to trade for Otani in a weekly league where he is a pitcher and a hitter uh, a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. But currently, like, how, how would you even, <clears throat> how would you even do it? Yeah. Right? Well, because, me- like, let me just throw a couple of offers that I see or trades that went down in Yahoo. But this, because this is interesting, right? So I see uh, Otani, the batter, going for, and this is, wow, going for Vlad Guerrero, Shane Bieber, who's who just uh, going on the IL, and Adley Rushman. So you're getting a top-notch first baseman uh, when he's healthy, you know, a very, very good pitcher. And you know, one of the best catchers in baseball for Otani, who the batter and he's only utility. I think I'd do yeah. that if I needed. I mean, help. that's that's <laughs> a lot. And, and that's got to be redraft, right? Because in Dynasty. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It. It's a redraft. But if, you, if yes. you're in redraft, like, I guess I kind of get it because maybe you have maybe you th- this particular uh, the manager was able to pick up like Jonah Heim mm-hmm. during the regular season who's been in his utility spot. So now right. Heim is going to move to catcher. Uh, Otani's going to move to DH. So the loss of Rutschman isn't that big of a deal. And, you know, Vlad, the hitter for Otani, the hitter is not, you know, I would never make that move straight up, Mm. but it's, it's a starting point. That's, and and that is really the, that's really the whole crux of it. Mm. That's the starting point is Vlad. The first pick you probably made, right? Right. Like that's the starting point. Like, you wouldn't take if you're the if you have just Otani the hitter, would you take Mookie Betts, who in a Yahoo league and actually all leagues is second short and outfield eligible? Mm. Right. The fact that you're not like people, there are many people that are unsure if they do it, right? Because Otani's ceiling is just higher. Despite the fact you can't put him at second, you can't put him at short, can't put him in outfield. He's that good of a hitter. So <clears throat> with that in mind, it's kind of like you wouldn't take Mookie Betts who on my hitter list is now like the, he's the top of the second tier. Yeah. Right. Like I, I don't think I would do it in a lot of leagues unless, you know, I, I had a massive hole, like it probably in my middle infield. Right. 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 And even then it's like, Oh, I don't know if I could do it. 
right? I'd want Mookie Betts plus, and no one's going to give you that. Right. Nobody right. has that to spare. I mean, it's close. You know, bets for Otani, depending on your needs, you know, the, the team giving up, uh, you know, the, the team, um, you know, that's because like you said, I mean. Other than runs scored, what stat will Mookie Betts, I mean, Mookie Betts will probably have a better batting average and more runs scored than Otani. Yeah, even uh, even though you're right, but Betts, uh, he's not the, the 290 hitter anymore lately. But you're right. I mean, I think he might, you know, give you a little bump in that in that batting average. But that's it. Mm-hmm. Right. And like the o- I don't think the OBPs are, are going to be that, you know, right. they, you're going to get plus batting average either way. Right. Because Otani's lowered his strikeout rate, uh, which, which has made him an even, you know, it just raised his floor, which was already really high. Now it's even higher. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, o- Otani. I mean, he's a freak. We love, we don't get chances to talk about him very much. So usually we have to use like some kind of like <laughs> pretense, like, oh, trade value yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, to talk about Otani. But I, that's yeah, it's fun talking about him. Yes. Yeah, it, it is. And that's in terms of real world. I doubt he's traded mm-hmm. like the, because if you think about it, like it have to look something like the return for uh, Juan Soto, but also like not that because you look at that and you feel like, um, the the Padres got a great deal there, mm. right? Because they gave up what, like C.J. Abrams, who has been right. good for the yeah. last month. Yeah, we'll talk right? about him in a little bit. Yeah. yeah, but but I mean, like, what? I just don't like. They say they're going to entertain. What, saying you're going to entertain offers, it doesn't mostly, hurt to listen. Yeah, right. But like, it also means <laughs> like, me. no. Are you not entertained? <laughs> Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? It means no. Uh, Otani for Ellie Dela Cruz. I see that one going down. And now again, you know, I'm just throwing these out from Yahoo. I don't know the size of the leagues. These are redraft leagues, I believe, because I, you know, I don't see any, uh, you know, draft picks going back and forth. But no way I would do Otani for Dela Cruz, right? I mean, Dela Cruz In very dynasty exciting. for just the pitcher. Yes, mm. just no, this the is hitter. Ba- this is batter. Yeah, yeah, is- just the hitter. I mean, and it doesn't look like it's dynasty. It looks like it's a, no, a but then like yeah. even in dynasty, right? Like yeah. maybe, mm-hmm. maybe, but like there's so much risk involved on the De La Cruz side and Otani, the hitter is a top three hitter in baseball. Hmm. Let me throw so one like, more at you. Yeah. Uh, Otani for Eovaldi, who's been incredible this year uh, for Texas, Randy Arazarina. Tampa Bay outfielder and Jonathan India, Cincinnati second baseman. So you're getting help at at getting a top notch starting pitcher, at least for this season, uh, outfielder and and some middle infield help, second base for Otani. I mean, this works, right? Yeah, this works if your roster has been really depleted, right? Because this is really, I mean, this is just dividing up your asset, right? Yeah. You take, you're taking by far the, I mean, Otani's clearly the best player in this deal. It's right. not very close, but you are getting three. You know, you're getting a top, you know, a, a top 30 hitter. You're getting a close to top 50 hitter potentially in Jonathan India. You know, the top 30s are Rosarena. And you're getting a good pitcher, albeit one with a lot of question marks. I know Nick has questions about Eovaldi's durability. I do mm-hmm. too. Eovaldi mm-hmm. has really struggled to put together full seasons right. of, of his dominant nature. His, his velocity's down. That kind of stuff is scary. So... I, mean, I don't want to hear this because I rostered <clears throat> him in Tout Wars, so I don't want to hear this negativity about Eovaldi, okay? But, <laughs> but yeah, but again, like, 
how many teams have that kind of depth across both hitting and pitching to make that kind of move? Right. And then, and another way you're looking at this trade, you know, it's something that you might consider, right? Because you're getting help in three different spots. But if your team is that uh, bad off this late in the season that you need help at starting pitching outfield and second base, I don't know, (laughs) but I guess we'd have to take a look at both sides of the equation, both rosters to see, but it's an interesting trade. And it's an interesting, it's interesting to talk about, you know, and more leagues, there are more and more leagues that don't allow trading because of collusion and, and all this stuff, but that's part of what makes it fun to play fantasy, right? You're, you're, a, you're a fake GM, and, and making these kind of trades is what makes uh, makes it all you know worthwhile and fun, no? Oh, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. you know, the last thing I'll say about Otani is I went, I went over to the NFBC. Um, obviously, this isn't to talk about a trade, but it, it is to look like ADP, right? So they've had in the last 10 second draft, the uh, second, um, sorry, the second chance drafts that they did right. that are in the middle mm-hmm. of the year. So the last 10, which are from like late June up till now, mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> the last 10 they did, Otani, who in, you know, in NFBC, which is a weekly format, uh, Otani is a hitter and a pitcher, but like realistically, it's the hitter mm-hmm. that you may occasionally throwing it pitcher if like he gets the A's and like three left-handed pitchers right. that week or something like that. Uh he his ADP is three and a half in those 10 drafts, mm-hmm. right? Uh he never went number one because Acuna uh, Acuna went number one in all of them. But I mean that's that's just the way it works right now. Like Otani is just a top just hitter Otani realistically is top three like a top three fantasy guy right yeah um and uh, you know for all that we say and his just he's been uh on an incredible run the past you know over a month but you know obviously just one of the supreme talents in all of baseball but uh uh the the fact that he's utility kind of you know you know hurts you a little bit but um you know uh, and yahoo leagues i think he's also available first base as well you know, Yahoo, you basically, you look at first base and all of a sudden you're eligible there. Yeah. But, you know, the big thing with Otani is when we're talking about top five, top 10 players, position just doesn't matter. Like, right. Absolutely. Well, I, I shouldn't agree. say position doesn't matter because oh. last season, one of the reasons that Jose Ramirez was my top player for most of the year was because third base was just really tough. So, you know, it, it worked out that way. But as far as like being DH only uh, for Otani, I don't care. Right. It's the same thing. I don't care about that with Jordan Alvarez, who who continues to like pick up outfield eligibility. But when they when he goes to DH only, I don't care. Right. It's just it's not enough to say, like, you don't have someone better. You were going to put in that slot. Right. Like utility. Yeah. You can talk about the roster flexibility and things like that. And yes, I suppose it sort of takes you out of the running for a player. Like, you know, if JD Martinez ends up being a great value later in the draft, you're not going to be able to be the one who gets that value because Mm -hmm. you took Otani, but you got Otani who cares? Right. 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 right, Like it doesn't, Again, it's yeah. What was me? I can only play him at uh, DH. Well, the guy's like hitting a home so run every other day, one, <laughs> right? You have the best one. Right, right. Is that not and, what we want? We want the best one. Right. So get the best one. Right. And uh, Alvarez, hopefully he he'll be back soon. I think he's uh, d- doing some rehab work. He had that uh, was it a groin or oblique? I think oblique. And I need him back in my uh, TGFBL league. So come on come back um so yeah that's our otani talk and we're going to be uh seeing some more trade activity as the august 1st deadline approaches i mean uh, one of the guys that i think is 
if he's healthy, I mean, the Cards going to try to move Tyler O'Neill. Uh, Dodgers are interested in uh, some pitching that they've been linked to Lucas Giolito, White Sox uh, pitcher. Reds also looking for starting pitching. Um, what other news can we talk about? How about uh, the fact that uh, I know that we're a hitting focused podcast, but uh, all of a sudden now, Araldus Chapman's going to be sharing some save opportunities with Will Smith with the Rangers, which kind of stinks. Um, what else? How about last week we were bashing, or was it two weeks ago? Both you and I were bashing John Carlos Stanton, and he deserved to be, but all of a sudden now uh, he's hit home runs in two straight. John Carlo. No, see, full Stopilo. Going to Colorado. Will do I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> I even started him uh, in one of my DFS. Uh, um, was it Friday, the first night? Uh, yeah, Friday, the first night that they play in Colorado. I says, you know, he's been playing a little bit better, and he's in Colorado. I think he's going to hit a home run. Yeah, I mean, bad pitching plus amazing hitter hitting yeah. environment equals yeah. bad pitching but, yeah. that shut out the Yankees. But okay, uh, <laughs> I think that was it. You know, that's just uh, incredible. But. But, you know, so, you know, as far as recent news that the whole Aroldis Chapman getting some save opportunities, it it is very annoying because Will Smith has been good. They're yeah. both left handed. So, mm-hmm. like, I, I just don't. Well, what's the point? Right. Like, I, di- I didn't quite understand why they went for Chapman in the first place, because they have they had good left handed relief pitching on their roster already. Mm-hmm. But whatever, whatever. Yeah, Bochi, Bochi likes that. And, uh, you know, you can't argue with him because he's won like what? three world series with the giants or something. He's, he's had an amazing career that Bochi, the, the manager of the Rangers, but yeah, I yeah, agree. It's I very mean, annoying. <laughs> I, I don't know what they're doing, but also, you know, I guess that doesn't matter. Uh, he's, you know, so, so, I mean, that's kind of big news uh, on your own Yankees. There's, there's some interesting news there. Oswald Peraza gets, uh, he got recalled from the minors mm-hmm. uh, to replace Josh Donaldson. Who's down with a, who's going to the IL with a calf injury. Right. So, you know, Peraza, Peraza's, a guy who definitely had some momentum in the off, you know, in the off season and in draft season, mm-hmm. but hasn't, you know, hasn't like drummed up a lot of excitement since then. He was fine in AAA this season, 12 home runs, 11 stolen bases in 45 games is, is awesome. But like, it actually only comes out to like a 108 WRC plus because it's a pretty hitting friendly uh, environment in you know in that triple a and by the way when you're looking at minor league numbers like the numbers themselves are helpful but wrc plus is just amazing context to have because you like unless you're a huge scout aficionado right like it's really hard to remember which which minor league divisions in which minor league levels play you know some of them play you know the pcl for example plays extremely hitter friendly there's others that are much more pitching friendly it's really hard to keep all that straight wrc plus does that for you so it gives you a good sense of like okay what is this how is that compared to everybody else Mm -hmm. right so a 108 wrc plus meeting you know basically eight percent better than the average player in that level so not not outstanding but it is he does have pop he does have some speed he he could do a little bit of both. I just really worry that the batting average won't be there. Not because he strikes out too much. He should keep a strikeout rate around 20%, uh, Oswald Peraza. But he just doesn't make enough hard contact. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, we'll see how the Yankees want to wanna play this out. Um, you know, he's the third base eligibility is, is nice, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. He's already got that in Yahoo because uh, he has five games played there. But... I can't, I can't say like, oh yeah, in 12 teamers, this really matters. Yeah. 
But in 15-teamers, it certainly does. And in 12-teamers, it might be something where you're like, at least put him on that watch list. See mm-hmm. if he consistently gets in the lineup. If he starts out hot. I mean, the Yankees haven't haven't really found any successful combination at the top of this lineup. That right. is when Oswald Peraza would be interesting to me in 12-teamers if he starts leading off. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. Labor Torres hasn't been that good. Right? right. LeMahieu, he's been leading off uh... yeah couple days yeah yeah LeMay who hasn't been there Anthony Volpe wasn't doing much in the leadoff spot mm-hmm. uh so that again that is what would make this much much more interesting overall mm-hmm. yeah and and when Volpe was really struggling and we spoke about him last week that he's starting to you know put it together there were whispers from fans that wanted uh, Peraza called up and you know uh and uh obviously when you look at what uh, Josh Donaldson has produced this year really nothing i think it's like 15 hits it's 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 very sad to watch i think uh you know he has what 10 home runs and and uh, 15 hits total so it's 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 just very sad so hopefully maybe he could figure something out you know while he's on the il i uh, don't want to see anyone ever hurt but uh he's just been uh very unproductive and uh so before we go to our first break i wanted to bring up uh, a detroit tiger to talk about real quick kerry carpenter hit two home runs off at of george kirby on saturday and then i started looking at you know he he had been somebody that had been in the back of my mind because i knew he had a good pedigree so you look at uh, what he's done so far this season you know he's on pace if he played 162 games for a 30 homer season he's played 49 games 11 home runs 27 rbi batting 269 with an 859 OPS and over the past month um it's only he's played 20 games out of tw- uh, uh for the past month uh, but seven home runs 18 RBI with a 283 batting average is this uh, someone that uh you know in in a 15 teamer might have some uh viability to be called up by a fantasy manager or what, what do you think Oh about absolutely Kerry uh, so Kerry Carpenter <sighs> He's more of like a streamer. He and, and as far as like being a streamer, he's even relevant in 12 teamers because he does have pop. Uh, mm-hmm. There's plenty of right-handed pitching out there. He's batting fourth. He's a, okay with but like he's batting 266 uh, against right-handers and 294 against left-handers. Yeah, so. and, and actually yeah. he got the last, you know, the last lefty that the Tigers faced. Carpenter did stay in the lineup. He actually stayed right at fourth. Right. Right. So well, okay. uh, I did wonder if his playing time would change when they brought Akil Badu back. That's another left-handed outfielder. Mm-hmm. But Badu's been playing on the other side of the infield. <clears throat> so uh yeah, it Kerry Carpenter's a guy. I mean, he's got power. We actually saw this at the end of last season as well. Uh, when when Carpenter came up, he hit, you know, he had a bunch of home runs. He had six of them in 31 games. <clears throat> We've got about half a season out of him at the big league level so far. And he certainly performed a lot better than I ever thought he would. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, really in 2022, he just started tearing the cover off the ball in double uh, A AA and triple A. And then in 80 major league games, he has 17 home runs. Uh, and a 262 batting average, 517 slug. The strikeout rate has been fine. It's under 30%, which mm-hmm. uh, he doesn't walk much. So I'd like it to be a little lower. And it's at 25% this year, which is about right. Uh, that That's what I want to see from him. 30 is a little harder for him to maintain because Kerry Carpenter doesn't walk that much. So, you know, the a 30% strikeout rate really only works if you can walk double digits, right? You really don't want to start seeing that strikeout to walk, right? Have like a, you know, you don't want to see like 
more than 20, you know, 20% strikeout rate minus walk rate. Once you get past 20%, it becomes very difficult, right? It's, there are players that can succeed that way. There just aren't that many of them that can do it for very long. Hmm. So Kerry Carpenter is doing a bit better than that. He's keeping it around 20% uh, in terms of strikeout rate minus walk rate. I like seeing that. Uh, The power is still there, right? 11 home runs, 49 games. Like I said, 30 homer pace. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think he's he's very, very streamable. There's going to be plenty of weeks where the Tigers see one or zero left-handers to make mm-hmm. you even think about whether Carpenter will sit in number four. I mean, and the other thing about the Tigers is that this lineup is looking a lot better right now, at least at the top, right? Mm-hmm. Zach McKinstry is not as good as he was early in the season. The back end of the lineup has a lot of question marks, but Riley Green, Spencer Torkelson, Kerry Carpenter, that, you know, that two, three, four is playing well, right? So uh, Riley Green, he's back. He's hitting pretty well. He kind of picked up where he left off because he was one of the best hitters. Uh, Riley Green was one of the best hitters in all of baseball back in May. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then, of course, he missed all of June. Now he's back. He's looking good. Spencer Torkelson, of course, has been much, much better as the season has progressed. I'm really liking what I'm seeing there. So, you know, those, you know, hitting behind those two is actually a good RBI, uh, you know, a good RBI situation, which is a surprise to say that there's a good RBI situation on the Tigers. But, you know, we've seen Jamer Candelario, former Tiger with the Nationals, pick up RBI despite the fact that he plays for the Nats Mm -hmm. because he's playing every day and he's hitting third or fourth. So this Kerry Carpenter is like that, but Kerry Carpenter has much more upside than a guy like Jamer Candelario because Carpenter has power that you know, Jamie Candelario just doesn't have. So if that's sort of, it, I, that should be a little help, at least in understanding like what Kerry Carpenter is. The floor is much lower than a guy like Candelario. We know what Candelario is. Uh, we've only seen 80 games out of Kerry Carpenter, but we know that there's tons of power upside. This is a guy who in a full season could hit 30 home runs, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he's certainly on pace for that. His major league career suggests that he's on pace for about 35. Yeah, uh, yeah. 30 would be a really good season for him. I think if he were like an everyday guy, or only sitting against like even half of lefties. I'd expect Kerry Carpenter to be like a 25 home run guy. The real question is going to be, can he keep up this kind of batting average right now? He did it in the minors for the most part. Uh, and that's great. It's just, you know, he, he does, he's hitting the ball a lot harder this season. He does barrel it up pretty well. The expected stats suggest that he can kind of do this. Uh, it's just always a question with these guys who are, who haven't showed us much. Right. He has one good year in the minors, right? 2022. And now half a season in the majors. There's there's so little to go on mm-hmm. about what to expect long term. Cause this is not a guy who was scouted all that well. He's a 19th round pick back when the draft still had 19 rounds. Right. Right. So that's my one question mark is the ratios because he's not going to walk. Uh so Kerry Carpenter, though, lots of power. I really like him in you know, as a streamer in 12 teamers, he should be rostered almost everywhere in 15 teamers because there's just no power out there. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, we're not looking at, we're going to have to watch this, you know, progress, but it's not like, uh, you know, Riley Green, Badu, and Carpenter are the future of you know, the Tigers outfield. No, not yet. Uh, so, I mean, Green more? definitely is, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, Green, yes. I, I, you know, mm-hmm. Carpenter projects probably more as a DH and occasional corner mm-hmm. outfielder. Uh, the Tigers have a lot of guys that can play in the corners. They've got Andy Abanez. They've got Matt Veerling. They've got Akil Badu. Uh, Nick Matone can play out there. Uh, Zach McKinstry can play in the corner. So, you know, AJ Hinch does like to mix guys around, put them all over the place. Uh, 
But at least for now, I think the locked in two, three, four for the Tigers, you know, six days out of seven is Riley Green, Spencer Torkelson, Kerry Carpenter. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want to see for a guy like Kerry Carpenter, because that pop only matters if there's guys on base in front of him. If he right. if Kerry Carpenter, like all of my excitement for Kerry Carpenter basically goes out the window. If for some reason they move him down to even like sixth or seventh. Right. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, it just takes so much of the ceiling off because I just don't expect that part of the batting order to have a lot of RBI opportunities. Uh, nothing like what we're going to see from him batting right behind Green and Torkelson. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, good stuff. Um, we're going to take our first break right now. When we come back, we're going to be talking about a couple of uh, prospects that the A's called up and a Philly player. And then we also want to talk about CJ Abrams and what he's been doing lately and uh, maybe just uh, talk a bit on uh, the shortstop position in general. And uh, we'll talk about all of that right after this. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat. But Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. And that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Bet you didn't think I'd be that excited about Carrie Carpenter. <laughs> I snuck that one in on you. <laughs> All right. All right, we're back. Hacks and Jacks, Fantasy Baseball Podcast, Joe Galina and Scott Chu. You can follow me at Joe Galina. You can follow Scott at If The Chew Fits. And uh, we teased right before we went to our first break uh, about a couple of call-ups that we wanted to talk about. The A's called up Zach Geloff. Uh, primarily a second and third baseman in his minor league career. Uh, so far, the A's have been using him at second base. Uh, if you take a look at his minor league history, he's got some good power and speed. Strikeout rate in the minors makes me a little nervous, uh, has been in the 27% range. But uh, despite that, has shown some good on-base skills, uh, 292, 381, 503, triple slash in three minor league seasons. So uh, what's your take? I actually, uh, there was a waiver wire run on Thursday in uh, Tout Wars, and I picked him up, and uh, I liked what he did yesterday. Stole a couple of bases yesterday being Saturday. But, but what's your take on uh, Geloff? Yeah, so first of all, I really want to see how the walk rate plays out. So mm-hmm. 2022 AAA, I mean, it was a small little sample, but in AA and AAA, he's walked 10% of the time. Uh, actually more than that, but walk rate. So I usually talk about how you can kind of predict what early strikeout rates will be by looking at the strikeout rate and kind of just adding on about 5% Mm -hmm. uh, to that number. And you're going to be like, all right, that's a decent starting point. It doesn't quite work out that way with walk rates though, because walk rates are, are a lot more, you know, strikeout rates can be driven one by just recognizing the zone. But two, if you've got contact ability, you can, you know, sort of, 
make your own strikeout rate. I mean, this is what Luis Arias does, right? He does not care if you throw him strikes, mm-hmm. right? He's not going to strike out no matter where you put the ball. You cannot fool him because he doesn't care if the ball is bouncing up off the ground, right? He will still try to slap it and he can still put it in play and not strike out. So you have more control over that with walk rates. You are really dependent on where the pitcher puts the ball, mm-hmm. right? You cannot walk if they don't throw balls. So, <clears throat> I mean, they will, but, Pitch recognition is a big deal. They're going to be pay- facing pitchers they haven't seen before. They're going to be facing pitchers that can fool them more. They can put more pitches that start in the zone and go out of the zone or that start out of the zone and then come in the zone. So that makes it harder to project walk rates, right? Generally, I try to just like take a little off the top. And if the walk rate is a recent spike, I'm much, much more uh, sort of suspicious of the walk rate. I think a good example of that is the guy, the reason that Giloff and, you know, really the reason that Giloff is up is because Esther Ruiz is, is on the IL. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they want another guy who can, you know, hopefully be a potential lead off. Right. Yeah, ignite just, this offense. Yes. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they're not batting him lead off right now, but I think they'd love to get to a point where they can do that mm-hmm. <clears throat> because Tony Kemp isn't really the answer long-term, but uh, I mean, Oakland doesn't have a lot of long-term answers right now to begin with, mm-hmm. but, uh, Asturi Ruiz had that big walk rate spike and that's what got a lot of excitement on him in 2022, but it didn't come over to the majors at all. And it's still not there, right? Because he really, I mean, he's just trying to put his bat on the ball and he can't hit it very hard, but he just tries to put his bat on the ball and pitchers at the big league level, just throw the guy strikes, right? Cause he's not going to do that much damage to them anyway. Right. So just throw him strikes. So the walk rate completely evaporated. And because of that, you know, he's just one example, but it's an example of why I'm not as confident projecting, um, walk rates, except for low walk rates, guys with low walk rates continue basically to not walk. Like if you weren't walking in the minors, you're probably not going to walk in the majors, but guys who do walk in the minors, hopefully will walk in the majors mm. is, is probably the easy way for me to explain that Giloff specifically, uh, a guy who has walked pretty consistently in the minor leagues. I think that he can bring that over, uh, but he need, but he needs to. Right, because I do think he's going to strike out about thirty percent of the time, maybe right. more. Yeah, based uh, just based on, on what, history, yeah, yeah. I mean, he struck out you know almost twenty eight percent of the time this you know this season in AAA. Last season in AA and AAA combined, it was again it was about twenty seven and a half percent. So that's I mean that's a little scary. Uh, so he needs the walks, I think, to be successful in the big leagues. All of that said, this is not a guy I'm interested in twelve team leagues. Right, so Giloff just doesn't bring enough. You know, he does have some pop and you know, it's the A's. So they probably will let him run. Right. Yeah. That's why I kind of added them because uh, they're a go, go kind of team. <laughs> right. So, you know, in a Roto style league, there's a bit of intrigue there. Mm-hmm. We talk about how there's a lot more stolen bases available on the wire. This is one of the examples of a guy who's available on the wire mm-hmm. and who could get you speed if that's what you need. But if you're looking for anything else, I think you kind of have to hold your breath because this isn't a huge power profile, right? I mean, he's not, this is not a, I mean, what would I expect in a full season? Like maybe 20 home runs if he was really kind of hitting a groove. This is a 15 to 20 home run guy. I think the stolen bases are also 15 to 20, which is more valuable. But, you know, between that and the fact that I'm not sure that the race, you know, the batting average will be there. Walk rate, you know, again, if the walk rate comes, the OBP hopefully is pretty good. Projections certainly don't think so, but I think it could be, right? So again, Giloff is a guy who, there's intrigue in if you need steals. There's intrigue in deeper leagues, like even 14 teamers where you need like a middle infield, corner infield. That's going to be really good. But for them, you know, otherwise standard 12 team leagues, there's just not a place for him on your roster. 
Okay. Um, so the A's called up a, a second prospect uh, this week. Um, yeah, you know, I was thinking, you ever see the movie where the Angels owner just wants them to lose so that, uh, I don't know, she could move them or something like that. And you know, it's almost like with the A's, too, that, you know, that it's a foregone conclusion that they're going to be moving to the, to Vegas. Hopefully they don't. I'd like to see them and stay in Oakland. But it's almost like do the does A's management or ownership want this team to win? And then all of a sudden fans will start coming to the Coliseum again. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. But uh, <laughs> I only want the A's to stay in Oakland if they get new management that will appreciate the fans in Oakland. Right. Those folks right. just get screwed over and over again. Oh, Baseball yeah. screws them over with the blackouts. That, that ballpark and then they too. then they try to go to the stupid ballpark yeah. and it's it's junk. The product yes. on the field is junk. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry, folks in Oakland, about your baseball situation. Yeah, it could yeah. not be worse. It's the worst baseball situation in the country because you mm-hmm. can't even – even if you buy the out-of-network package, you can't watch half the darn games, mm-hmm. right? Because all the California teams are blacked out. Right. Ugh, mm-hmm. horrible. Yeah, horrible. yeah. Now I feel for uh, Oakland fans. And to be honest with you, I'm a, I'm a kind of a closet Oakland fan myself. I mean, I, you know, I, I – you know – uh, I'm a little bit of a baseball historian and those teams from the seventies, you know, they won three world series in a row. And then you had the bash brothers and you know, they're just, even they just have fun uniforms too. <laughs> I love the elephants. I love when they bring out the elephants. <laughs> yes, yes. And I, you know, I really, this Oakland team was so exciting back when they were like the, the tigers and the A's used to face each other in the ALCS and mm-hmm. the ALDS. Uh, I mean, that's, uh, that's one of the, the first playoff baseball game I ever went to was when Scherzer came out in relief and it was against the A's and it was electric. There were Ace fans everywhere. Mm. Like watching on TV, you could tell in Oakland, like that crowd was really jazzed up. Like there's such a good fan base there. And yeah. all that ownership does is crap on them yeah, over yeah. and over again. Yeah. Uh, but at least they called up a prospect, right? Well, a prospect in Tyler Soderstrom. I actually talked about him pretty extensively in the AMA again on Fridays uh, between like noon and one. I start an AMA over on Reddit. We get about a hundred questions. Uh, I try. I, I hope that I answer about ninety or more of them. Sometimes I have to, you know, call in for help, uh, especially on the pitching questions. You know, because it's a pitcherless AMA. I think people expect there to be pitching expertise, and then they right. find me, and it's very disappointing. Right. But uh, the, we we answer a lot of questions. I talked a lot about Soderstrom, and I I don't want to say like there is a lot of talent here. Right. There's a, a ton, power. Yeah. a ton of power. Yeah. Right. But the problem is that catcher's a little deeper than it used to be. And I'm not, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the plate discipline that we see from Soderstrom, which just makes the floor a lot lower hmm. when you're on, especially when you play for a team that's really bad in a park that's really hard to hit in because every freaking foul ball stays in fair, you know, doesn't stay in fair territory, but it stays, it stays in playable territory. Uh, It's a really tough situation for him to go to. So in two catcher leagues, obviously Soderstrom needs to be picked up everywhere. The power, you know, the power will be there even if the batting average isn't. Mm -hmm. I worry though that the, you know, Oh, second of all, you know, as far as, you know, catching, he's, it looks like he's going to catch enough to maintain the eligibility. And that's important, at least in Yahoo leagues, whether or not he gets to 20 uh, is a bit of a question mark. He's already started there once, but right. um, he's the other, I believe right? yeah, yeah. he's a terrible catcher. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he's just, he's not a Can guy. Can he catch the ball when the pitcher throws it to him or he misses I mean, that's that a, one? That's, that's about it. But Shay Langoliers is a good defensive catcher. Uh, and that is what I kind of expect to, to be the, I mean, he's going to catch more days, obviously. Um, 
I, I did wonder, you know, when they first announced that he'd be called up, I wondered what was going to happen with Manny Pena. And of course, Manny Pena hit the IL. So that's what happened. I don't know what's going to happen when Manny Pena is ready to come back because Manny Pena is a guy who can, uh, you know, he's a veteran. He's a, he's a guy who can play some good defense. I would love to see Soderstrom not catch because it's just like what we talked about it with Henry Davis. It's hard enough to learn how to hit in the big leagues, especially for a guy who doesn't walk. I would love for him not to have to worry about how to manage a staff that is, I mean, it's not a lot to work with, right? Like, you know, on one hand, it's not like they're going to be throwing you a bunch of stuff that you can't handle and wild breaking balls and stuff like that. But like how this poor kid's going to have to stay up at night trying to figure out how he's going to get Ken Waldachuk to win a game. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, how do you do that? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter who the catcher is. Right. So uh, I would like to see Soderstrom stay at DH. I'd like to see him get very regular at bats. Although I do think he'll sit against uh, lefties, uh, especially early on, but because, you know, this team is already very left-handed. So I would expect a guy like Aledmus Diaz, who's been pretty good as a platoon guy to come up against those lefties. Uh, but Again, 12-team leagues, I'm just not that interested in Soderstrom yet, especially with just the number of guys who are just more interesting that are generally yeah. available in 12-team leagues. Um, and this is not, you know, he's got the power of Francisco Alvarez, but he does not have the floor or the ceiling. Right. Right. He and like you said, I mean, he strikes out a lot similar to uh, Galoff, right? Uh, but I don't think he walks as much as, as Galoff does, which is he does not. Yeah. He, he did not walk that much in the yeah. minors. Yeah, uh, he'll probably walk less in the majors. Right. Mm-hmm. So as far as Soderstrom goes, you know, I, I think the easiest way to talk about him is just talk about the other catchers I'd rather have. Right. Um, I'm probably more interested in Bo Naylor, who's available almost everywhere in 12. Who hit leagues. a home run with his brother. I didn't know that. I didn't realize I didn't put it together. Josh Naylor, yeah. and Bo Naylor brothers hit a yeah. home run in the same game. God, I'd, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. I'd rather have Bo Naylor. Mm-hmm. I'd rather have Yanni or Diaz. I mean, there's a question as to what that playing time is going to look like when Jordan Alvarez is back, which mm-hmm. you know kind of ties up the DH, but you know, whatever. Um, I don't think, you know, I almost would rather have Mitch Garver who at least I know what his power looks like. And I know that he'll walk. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so there's that, right. I mean, there's not like catching is a pretty ugly sort of situation. Right. But at the same time, like there's just other guys I'd rather have William Contreras is available in like half of leagues. He's been really hot. I'd rather have him Francisco Alvarez. Uh, no, sorry. No. Uh, Oh, Gary Sanchez. No. Okay. Just, yeah, I'll take Soderstrom. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I'll, I'll take Soderstrom over him. I'd rather yeah. have a guy we talked about somewhat recently in Kieber, uh, Kybert Ruiz, I think is more interesting. Sure, yeah. Tyler Stevenson is more interesting. Um, Cal Rayleigh's kind of, I think, similar, except mm. I've seen Cal Rayleigh do it before and I haven't seen Soderstrom do it before. Um, Travis Starno, when he's playing regularly, uh, I probably would rather have him. It's fine if you're cutting like a Gabriel Moreno. That's mm-hmm. fine. And obviously, I'd rather have Henry Davis. Um, if you want to cut Elias Diaz when he goes on the road next, that's fine. I don't have an issue with that. Um, NJ Melendez has been a big, been a big disappointment. So if you're in a 12 team, one catcher league, I think you can start trying to stream. I don't think Soderstrom is the, I'd, again, I'd rather have all these other names than Soderstrom. Uh, but that is a situation where you might consider him based on matchups. Uh, but yeah, he's not high on my list right now. Worth watching again, because the power is real, but the situation is terrible. Hmm. Okay. So um, do you think that there's a shot that these guys are up here, you know, temporarily? And because you mentioned a couple of guys that are on the IL, or do you think that the uh, A's just want to see what they have in them and, and, you know, just let them play out the rest of the season? So the one thing the A's have going for them is a bunch of their team has options. 
right? Like <laughs> they can send almost anybody down if they feel like it, mm-hmm. right? So um, I, I do think that Soderstrom has a chance to stay up because, I mean, they only just signed Manny Pena. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they're, they're not really like, they're not really required to keep him around. And it's not like they want to wonder what they have in Manny Pena. They know exactly what they got in Manny Pena. So if they decide they want Soderstrom to catch, you know, two times a week, that would make him a lot more uh, valuable. The tougher one is for Zach Geloff because they have other guys who can play second base, mm. right? And third base, right? Because they've got Jace Peterson. He's someone that can play all over the infield. They've got Tony Kemp. He can play second base. Uh, and he's left-handed. So if it became a platoon situation, Kemp would get more at-bats. They've got Jordan Diaz who can play around the infield. He's a young guy that they're interested. Aledmus Diaz is someone that they've been using. At one point, he was hitting like third for them. Uh, but, you know, he, he hasn't been lately. He's not exciting, but he's a guy that can play all over the infield. It's So with Gilof, my concern is that they don't really need him. Right. It's not like they brought him up and he has a clear role that they need him for. Right. Soderstrom at least can always fall back on being the backup catcher. Mm. Right. I, I think that they're willing to do that and have Langoliers catch pretty much every other day. Or at the very he, least he platoon, can play right? First too, right? Soderstrom, I, I think so. Uh, I mean, he's <laughs> not going to catch long term. They could put him at first, although that's yeah. actually a little tougher because I do think they want to keep Ryan Noda there. Mm-hmm. Uh, also left handed, walks. Um, so I, I don't think that first base is really open for him. It's just kind of like D I mean, maybe if they let Noda DH instead or something, but Soderstrom is probably going to DH and catch most of the time. First base would almost be nice just to get some extra eligibility, but the only eligibility that really matters if Soderstrom wasn't a catcher, we wouldn't be talking about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So, uh, why don't we take our second break? And when we come back, want to talk about, uh, Philly's outfielder that they recently called up and, uh, talk a little bit about uh, C.J. Abrams and a little shortstop talk, maybe. And uh, also maybe touch on a uh, way too early draft that uh, Scott, I, and the rest of the Pitcher List crew is involved in. We'll talk a little bit about it if we have time right after this. All right, we're back. Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast, Joe Galina and Scott Chu with you. And uh, we just spoke about uh, Tyler Soderstrom and Zach Geloff, two recent call-ups by the A's. And uh, Phillies actually uh, called up one of their prospects as well. Johan Rojas has played center field in his first two big league games, uh, debuted on Saturday the 15th. I remember we're recording this on Sunday, July 16th. It's almost 1 p.m. Eastern time. And Rojas played both games with a doubleheader on Saturday, 0 for 3 in game 1, 3 for 4 with 2 RBI in the nightcap. He's got some pop in his bat, but his biggest asset is his speed. He stole 62 bases in 130 games in 2022, 34 in 96 games in 2021, 30 stolen bases in 76 games for the Phillies AA affiliate. This guy has some real speed. Fast speed! Uh, has a really good uh, minor league profile that I like. Really good contact hit. A strikeout rate uh, only in the mid-teens throughout his minor league career. What's your thoughts on Johan Rojas? So the interesting thing that's been happening with Rojas in the minor leagues is this season is power, right? I mean, this was a guy who, you know, in 2022 between high A and double A did not slug. uh, I mean, he barely slugged like 350, 
but across the two levels, right? This season slugging 484, right? Uh, nine home runs in those 76 games. That to me is a lot more eye-popping because I already knew he could run. And I also didn't really care that much, right? We we see these slappy, uh, like these slap hitting high-speed guys come up all the time, right? What was the last one I could think of? I, I think it was like David Hamilton for the Red Sox was a guy like this. Right, right. We talked Many about him, yeah. of them really struggle to be relevant in fantasy because they, they, they just don't hit well enough, right? That slappy stuff is a little bit easier to do in the minor leagues when the pit, the quality of pitching's down, but it's a lot harder in the major leagues to hit obviously. And when you don't have a lot of power to speak of, it's just really, I mean, how many guys out there stick around in the majors who can't hit, you know, 10 home runs in a season and coming into this year, I did not see Rojas as a guy who could hit 10 home runs in a season. And now maybe he can, mm-hmm. right? Just 10. But maybe, right? Yeah. For every Whit I mean, Merrifield, there's like 50 guys who don't turn out. Right? Right? In Philadelphia uh, home stadium, it's pretty hitter-friendly park, no? It, it is. Mm-hmm. It is. Um, but you still have to be able to hit the ball that far. Of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> so of course. Uh, I, I think, number one, this is a guy coming straight from A to the majors, which is interesting. Uh, it, it's That can be a very difficult transition. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does have basically a full season of double A. So it's not like some of these guys we've seen called up with almost no double A experience, but uh, I do want to see if the power is there at all, right? It doesn't have to even be home runs. Can he hit doubles? Mm-hmm. If he can hit doubles, which he has 20 of them so far this season in the Myers, mm-hmm. right? To go along with those nine home runs. If he can hit some doubles, uh, which again, that kind of takes away stolen base opportunity, but it shows that he's got the hitting power to stay at the big league level, at least for a little while, right? The, the Phillies, it's not like they're desperate and it's not as though this is one of their, you know, top, you know, it's one of their top prospects, but it's not a top prospect, right? Mm-hmm. This is not a guy that you're going to find in top 100 lists. You might not even really find him in top 150 or 200 lists, maybe for fantasy because of the speed, but that's about it. So, you know, with Rojas, they're probably hoping that he can um, sort of platoon Maybe that was the other thing was I wasn't quite sure where he fits in to this lineup, right? Because he's obviously not going to DH because number one, he didn't hit that well. And two, you got Bryce Harper there. Uh, you're, you're not benching Kyle Schwarber, right? I mean, you kind of, you got to let him go. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to just let him play. Nick Castellanos is playing much better this season. You're not doing anything with him. Uh, so I guess he's a, on the short side of a platoon with Brandon Marsh, maybe. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's the thing. I mean, so Rojas, by the time he's been called up, they've only had four games. He played against both lefties and he did play against a righty yesterday. Right. Uh, Cause they gave, I don't, I can't even really see who they gave, who they gave a day off to. Uh, it must've been Castellanos, but that's, you know, that's going to be a rarity. Right. So um, the, the two challenges for Rojas then can he hit for any power uh, or even just get on base consistently uh, with contact. Mm-hmm. Number two, can he find playing time? Cause otherwise he looks like he's on the short side of platoon with, with Brandon Marsh uh, to play, you know, somewhere in the outfield. And and that's not really something that's going to work out. Very deep leagues can probably start looking at him right away uh, yeah, for steals, mm-hmm. but f- I mean, five outfield and 15 teams, mm-hmm. it's gotta be both. Otherwise right. they're just not enough here to care about quite yet. Hmm. Okay. Good stuff. Um, so I, I've been teasing that we were going to talk a little bit about C.J. Abrams. And, you know, he, he's a guy that I initially drafted on my tout team. And then uh, he got off to a slow start and I dropped him. And, you know, you, 
remember back to C.J. Abrams, he was one of the top prospects in the Padre system. And last season, there was some hype surrounding his big league debut because, uh, you know, of his uh, profile and really didn't live up to expectations. Eventually got traded to the Nationals, continued to underwhelm and uh, got off to a slow start this season. But if you look at what this guy has done over his past 20 games, uh, he's stolen 10 bases, batted 361 with a 410 OBP and a 542 slug. Uh, so, I mean, this guy with a good pedigree, 331, 385, 511, triple slash in three minor league seasons, uh, showed some, flashed some power in the minor leagues too, 12 home runs. And of course the 42 stolen bases in 114 games. So the guy's got, uh, he's got some, some power potential and definitely has some speed potential as well. Uh, and he stuck out at me when I just, you know, you always do a little sort to see who's been hot lately and he came up. So what do you think about CJ Abrams? And, you know, like I kind of been alluding to the shortstop position, you know, we keep on talking about how deep it is and, you know, coming into the season, we talked to how, oh, how deep it is, but there've been some, uh, underwhelming players. Number one, Trey Turner, but uh, go ahead, my friend, CJ Abrams. Yeah. It's, it's been short on production compared to what we expected, but it hasn't, you know, it's not short on talent. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, of course. Yeah. If, if you look at those uh, second chance drafts, which is a good way, not necessarily to get a feel for rankings rest of season, but it's a good way to get a temperature gauge on what people still think of these players rest of season. Trey Turner is still a top 11 pick on average, right? He always went inside the top 20 overall. He was a third uh, short. I mean, he's the third shortstop taken off the board. Ellie De La Cruz was fourth. I mean, the ninth shortstop taken off the board was Francisco Lindor, and it's still in the top 50 picks, right? So you're seeing tons of shortstops still go uh, early in drafts, mm-hmm. right? And, and even in, you know, two more or three more that go in the top 100 are Gunnar Henderson, Matt McClain, Nico Horner, Willie Adamas is creeping up there. Xander Bogarts is still up there. And then there's this huge drop off, yeah. right? And Which, just let me just take it aside. He uh, went pick overall number 24 and this mock that we're doing right yeah yeah so <clears throat> but you know cj abrams Trey, i'm talking about trey turner but god i'm sorry for interrupting. yeah 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 so so <clears throat> cj abrams um a couple things number one i the 16 stolen bases on the year are a little deceiving right because we talked about how he has 10 in his last uh 20 games yep but in his first 62 games he had six right it was it was actually incredibly disheartening right because uh, this is a guy with a ton of speed. He's got every bit the foot speed of like an Esteri Ruiz, right? This guy can fly. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just didn't let him run. I, 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 and I could not tell you why. This was probably like the, this was a top 15 overall prospect. CJ Abrams was really the, he was central to the uh, deal with Juan Soto, right? And this is not to compare Juan Soto and CJ Abrams, but mm-hmm. as far as prospect pedigree, this is a guy who a lot oh, yeah. of people thought could have a lot of hit tool. There's not yes. a ton of power here, but huge speed, right? Very, he was a very exciting prospect. Number one, injuries have taken away so much time from CJ Abrams. Like we, you talked about that line he has through, uh, you know, a couple minor league seasons, but mm-hmm. like, it's not many games. Right. Like he's, barely he's played like 115 games in all of the minors since 2019 right 114 right yeah yeah Mm -hmm. that's it Uh that's all he has like that is that is just so little data right um and he got 38 of those (laughs) games last season Mm -hmm. so uh, and he still only i mean he he did he went right to the majors it's been a bit of a struggle this is never a guy who's going to walk 
um, but he does make a ton of contact. What I do like are, you know, the things that have really gotten me excited. So he was hot, but I kind of didn't care that much. Uh, because we, again, you talked about his last 20 games, but the real surge has just been in his last six. Right. Uh, and actually, you know, we can go back. It's a little bit early, really just since the start of July Mm -hmm. is, is when I'd say he's gotten really interested to me, interesting to me. And and it's for two reasons. Number one, um, the running, right. Uh, again, 10 home runs in his last 20 games, seven of them in his last 10. Mm. Right. So that's, that's a big deal. Uh, in fact, yesterday, or sorry, on the 15th, uh, we're recording this Sunday. So on Saturday, he did not steal a base, which broke a five game streak mm-hmm. where he actually stole all seven of those bases. <laughs> right. And he, he doesn't stole- get caught often too. That's, that's a, that's, so they're going to let him, they're going to continue to let him run the national, yeah, I, I believe. Yeah. And, and then of course the, but the real news, right. Is, is not just that he's a hot bat. The real news is that he's leading off. Mm-hmm. That is really what I've been waiting for. Cause CJ Abrams had been hitting eighth or ninth all season long in a bad lineup, which mm-hmm. meant he needed all the value to come from his bat and his legs. And it just wasn't there, right? Mm-hmm. He's his bat is never going to be the carrying feature here. Uh, I, I think that there is upside in the bat. I think the hit tool can continue to progress to be a very high. Again, he's a high contact slappy kind of hitter. He's not this. He's not someone when I see has a good hit tool. I don't mean like he's going to be a 10% walk rate, 10% strikeout rate kind of player. Mm-hmm. I'm talking more like a guy, uh, bad example to use for this season. Cause he's been so bad, but more like a Tim Anderson type who can put a, a good hit tool in that he can get his bat to a lot of baseballs, mm-hmm. right? He can, he's not going to walk much but he is going to slap the ball around, put a ton of stuff in play and let his legs get him on base. Mm-hmm. Right. Because he can run out in field singles. A, a bloop is all of a sudden like a threat for a double. Right. 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 So uh, that's what I like about CJ Abrams and batting first means more plate appearances. That means more chances to put balls in play. That's a big deal. It means it's a better opportunity to steal. Right. Uh, since he moved up to that leadoff spot, first five games, obviously I've told you that he's stolen a bunch of bases lately, but that's been a huge part. Right. Mm-hmm. So he stole, uh, you know, his first four games hitting leadoff. He stole a base, at least one base. He's got uh, five stolen bases in those five games at leadoff so far. This is where we really start to see the change right now. Do I think he can hit this kind of, cons- you know, consistently? I mean, so far, no. Right. Mm-hmm. He's played a little more than a full season in the major so far. Uh, not fair to use this as his as CJ Abrams, like, life story because he played so little in the minors right he's Mm -hmm. learning at the big league level he's only 22 years old uh he's but you know it hasn't been great you know he's making lots of contact he makes a lot of very weak contact though Mm -hmm. um and and that might always be the case and that's okay right because i think that cj abrams could totally i mean He's not going to match the stolen base numbers of Estuary Ruiz because Ruiz plays for a team that has no choice but to make him run. Right. right? They, there's, there's only so many ways Estuary Ruiz can get to second base, and most of it is running. Right. He's got to steal it. Uh, but Abrams is a more talented player than Estuary Ruiz. And mm-hmm. as far as tools go, in just about every respect, the speed is similar and everything else, I think CJ Abrams is better. Right. So that's the kind of player you're looking at. Again, the stolen base totals won't be so obscenely high, but they should be very high. Right. Like he should steal at least, you know, if he continues to lead off, I would expect him to steal at least 15 more bases this season, Mm. Uh, which, you know, that's more than the projections. Um, It's actually a lot more than the projections. Most of them are saying about 10 rest of season. I think it's more like 15 if this guy leads off Mm -hmm. Uh, and if they continue to just let him run a little bit more. 
the ratios you're just going to accept, right? The batting average should be fine. It won't hurt you that much. CJ Abrams was, again, he puts plenty of balls in play. He hits plenty of singles. Don't expect any power. He does have eight home runs. Cool, right? Mm. Like his hard ceiling to me is about 15 in a full season uh, for CJ Abrams, but it comes with like 30 stolen bases. I think this is a, this is a player who can be like good Tommy Edmond mm-hmm. uh, as a, as a sort of comp in terms of like, fantasy output not really for anything else but for fantasy output i think it could be like a, t- a good tommy Edmond, a guy who was taken in you know in the first 10 rounds of drafts if not the first like seven rounds of deeper drafts uh in years past that's that's something i think cj abrams could be it's mm-hmm. just a matter of you know what else do we see this season i again as long as the batting average is better than 250 fine actually really 245 be better than 245 that's fine i think he will uh you're gonna get plenty of speed this this is a guy I'm interested in in 12 teamers. If he hasn't been scooped up already, I think you really should because there is a real ceiling here. Way more than really any of the minor league guys we've talked about. So, on a personal level, let me ask you this head to head points league. Um, right now, DJ LeMay, who is in my middle infield spot, yeah, he's been coming on the past couple of days because he's playing in Colorado, his former home park, right? He played many years in. in in Colorado, would you replace Abrams? Would you replace DJ LeMahieu with CJ Abrams in a head-to-head points league? I will preface by saying that CJ Abrams' worst format is probably points because most mm. points leagues just don't care about stolen bases that much. Right. That being said, I would do that in every format. Mm-hmm. I would rather have CJ Abrams because I think he can put the ball in play, which actually is favorable for points, right? Singles are worth more in sure. points than they are in Roto by a lot because in Roto, they're worth like some tiny fraction of overall batting average. Mm-hmm. But in points, they're worth a point or more, right? You get a lot more credit for those singles. That's why guys like Luis Arias are more valuable in points leagues than anywhere else. CJ Abrams, because he puts the ball in play so much, I think it plays up. It makes him more valuable there. I do like CJ Abrams. I would say if you were the tough call to me would be like, if you're looking for a middle infielder and you're looking at Abrams versus like Haseon Kim, Mm -hmm. uh, I think Kim is just a better hitter. Uh, He's in a better situation in terms of like being able to score runs. I do think Haseon Kim is going to be the leadoff man for the Padres for the foreseeable future. They haven't had a good leadoff guy there in quite some time. I think Kim can be that. So I'll take Kim over Abrams unless I'm really trying to go after speed. Then, then it's Abrams, right? In a roto league, you know, maybe, but in like head to head categories, I care less about the speed. So I might favor Kim. Who's just a better hitter, mm-hmm. uh, who has a higher floor, but that to me is sort of where, where it would be tight. Okay. All right. So, uh, we're a little over an hour into this podcast, but before we say goodbye, I've been teasing it. So I'll just talk a little bit about it and get your take on this mock uh, draft that we're doing right now. Uh, first pick overall, no surprise, Ronald Acuna Jr., followed by Aaron Judge. Then you had the third pick with your guy. I know he's your guy, Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, then it was Corbin Carroll. Uh, I had the fifth pick, and I took Mookie Betts. I just love his position flexibility. He's going to be eligible short, second outfield. And the first pitcher off the board, a little, you know, a little change, Spencer Strider. Uh, then you had Julio Rodriguez, Freddie Freeman, Bo Bichette, Jordan Alvarez, and Jose Ramirez. They close out the, the first round. Just a quick, before we say goodbye, any observations 
about the draft, any surprises, and we'll talk about it more maybe in the next episode. But uh, anything that stands out to you? Uh, I, I think going into next season, we know what pick 1-1 one, one is going to be. Unless Ronald Acuna has some kind of injury happen that potentially impacts him for next season, Ronald Acuna is the 1-1 one, one guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just, mm-hmm. I mean, we're, I don't think we're going to see anything different. But man, after that, it gets really interesting, mm-hmm. right? So at pick number three overall, I was debating Fernando Tatis Jr. and Shohei Otani. Uh, mm-hmm. I ranked them you know, right together. Tatis is the is favored in most projection systems. I, I actually, I think rank Otani right now higher on the hitter list. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this would have been just for hitter Otani. He actually didn't go till pick 10, which stunned me or actually 12. I think he went mm-hmm. all the way to the end of the first round. It stunned me, but um, Tatis and Otani to me were, are probably like the next two picks. I think you nailed it with Mookie Betts. I think that's the next guy. I just moved him up to four uh, on the, on the hitter list. I put him at the top of the second tier of hitting because of that crazy flexibility that he's going to carry into next yep. season. So shortstop second base outfield. Here's the thing. I know I've already talked about how I don't care that Otani's utility only, but what, what Mookie Betts gives you when you draft him first over, you know, when you draft him in the first round, uh, probably, you know, he's probably going to be the most popular number four overall pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> what I love about it is you have a lot of flexibility for the rest of your draft, right? right? You get to play more. You know, I talked about how with Otani, you might miss out on a couple values, right? You might miss out on a couple values for other guys that are utility only later on, right? But you're really not going to run into that problem for quite a long time. Mookie Betts makes it so that um, you're really wide open, right? right? You you can say, okay, who's, you know, if if another shortstop is a great value, you know, Corey Seager slips too far or something in a draft. Mm-hmm. You can scoop him up and you just be like, all right, I'll put Mookie Bet, I'll put Mookie Betts somewhere else. Right. I'll put him at second. Right? Yeah. yeah. Or <laughs> which I've has got... traditionally been not a deep uh, position. Yeah. yeah. Or it's like, or, or I've outfield. got three to five outs- outfield yeah. spots. So I'll put Betts there. I mean, you, and he also makes it so that in season when players go down, you can open up more of the waiver wire to replace them. Right. Cause you can mm-hmm. say, well, I lost a second baseman, but really, um, I can get a second baseman or an outfielder, mm-hmm. right? Which there's usually more outfielders on the wire than there are second basemen because you can say, oh, I'll just move Mookie to second and I'll replace, I'll replace him in the outfield instead. Right. That kind of movement is extremely valuable for in-season management because, again, it opens up more of the wire. How, mm-hmm. <clears throat> there's several times where someone will say like, hey, this guy just became available in my league. I mean, a big one was like Gunnar Henderson when he was out there. Um, it was like, oh, you know, and he was heating up. It's like, oh, what do I do? I was like, well, unfortunately, you don't have roster space for him. Mm-hmm. You don't have anywhere to put him because your third base and shortstop are filled up. So, you know, if you added him, it would just be so that other people can't have him, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but when you have a Mookie Betts, it it just opens you up so that you have more ways to take flyers on guys that are out there because right. you're not stuck saying, well, I can only put him in one spot. Mookie just gives you all of this maneuverability that's really hard uh, it's really hard to put like a numerical value on it, but man, it is, it is so helpful. And those of you that are in leagues that have Mookie bets have probably already run into just how convenient it is oh, yeah. to be able to say, um, I need another player and I can look at like three quarters of the pool because mm-hmm. I can look at all the shortstops, all the second baseman and all the outfielders because I can just move Mookie bets around to the other spot. Right. Right. Uh, did you watch any of the home run derby? It was interesting that his wife, uh, coaxed them into, you know, we're talking about bets, Mookie bets. His wife coaxed them into, you know, taking part in it. And the guy, uh, you know, he's on pace to have over 30 home runs this season, but, you know, not when he's trying to hit them. You know, he doesn't have the the, the power that, you know, 
uh, Julio Rodriguez put on a show. I think he had 42 in, in one round, and then uh, that just took too much out of him. <laughs> I guess he got a little tired, but uh, Vlad uh, hitting a ton. You know, doesn't have the, you know, Mookie doesn't have the, uh, the body mass that these other power hitters have. But can hit home runs for you in the in in regular season and just regular season play, but couldn't handle it in the uh, in the home run derby. And he kind of admitted he knew, you know, he didn't even take his time out. You know, you get a timeout like midway through your your, your round, and he's like, "Nah, wouldn't make a difference." <laughs> yeah. So, number one, I do not care about his performance at all. Anyone who yeah, suggests no, that it has impacts anything is no. is almost certainly wrong, right? If mm-hmm. if the power does fade from Mookie Betts, it has nothing to do with the home run derby. The other thing that happens in the home run derby that we only really talk about on the home run derby is just the the importance of the pitcher in that scenario, mm-hmm. right? Because <clears throat> when 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 you're getting great pitches to hit from them they're setting it up perfectly like those are the guys that almost like, always whoever win. was thrown to julio rodriguez in that first round placing them perfectly yeah it, it makes a huge difference yeah. right yeah. uh also what happens in the home run derby that doesn't matter in real baseball is how far you hit it right in regular baseball it only matters that it gets over the fence right right mm-hmm. so um <clears throat> because you only get the bonus if you hit 450 foot bombs that's just not something mookie does mm-hmm Right? It's just not not what he tries to do. Uh, we always talk about how Ichiro could win a home run derby, but he actually would be at a disadvantage in the current day of the home run derby. Yeah, because yeah. He, he's not someone that's going to hit it 450 feet. He's mm-hmm. just going to hit a bunch of them like 380 feet. Right. Right. Like, but that's fine because in real games, that's you know it all counts the same. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I thought it was I thought it was interesting that he went up and did it. Um, I still think Mookie Betts is amazingly cool. I love all the bowling stuff. Uh, sure. I love, you know, I love, I love everything about Mookie Betts. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, as far as the power goes again, it's just so different than regular baseball, mm-hmm. which is just get the ball over the fence. Who'd That's you have in your little pool with the home run derby? You said you have a little pool with a couple of buddies of yours. Oh or? yeah. Yeah. I had, I had Julio Rodriguez. So I was feeling real good oh, man. Uh, yeah, <laughs> after yeah. it started and then, yeah. then not so good, but well, you know, I mean, you hit 42 home runs, you get you literally your your arms probably fall off, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, but it's, it was a lot of fun very, to watch. It was a lot of fun to watch game. Adley Rushman, too, uh, switch, you know, to, to right-handed, like, you know, after he had hit a bunch of home runs hitting uh, left-handed. That was cool. It's just a fun thing, you know? Oh, yeah. Like Adley Rushman and Dadley Rushman, right? Yeah, like, yeah, That yeah, was pretty yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I enjoyed all that. So, so that was fun. And really with the home run derby, uh, if there's one takeaway I had from it for a fantasy perspective, it's that sometimes in the back of your mind, you'll start nagging. You'll get this nagging doubt about a player that you know is good, but you're kind of like, oh, I wonder what's going on. Vlad's still strong. He's still real, real strong. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't think the home run derby screws up guys' swings or anything like that because the pitches are just so different. It's such a different feel. But Plus, like, everyone well, is really trying to take advantage of the launch angle these days anyway, you know, so... Yeah. Uh, I guess but, it doesn't you know, make it much of a difference compared to the old days. <laughs> I, I'm a lot more inclined to believe that a home run derby can sort of rejuvenate a guy who's maybe been, you know, maybe mentally has been a little, you know, down on themselves or something like that. Mm-hmm. Struggling. Okay. That's an interesting. Yeah, I, I think that that's a more likely scenario than saying, Oh, the home run derby screwed up my swing. Mm-hmm. Right. Like usually when we talk about that, uh, the famous example being tigers, Brandon inch went to the home run derby. Uh, and then after the derby did not hit a single home run for the rest of the regular season. Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't screw up his swing. He had just been playing way over his head. Mm-hmm. Right. And pitchers changed their approach over the break and they got him. 
Mm-hmm. Right. That's more likely. That's what happens. It doesn't screw up. I mean, maybe a player will say that every now and then, but more realistically, it's just fun. You see the players get sort of rejuvenated. They get a break. Uh, that mental break is just so important. I mean, heck, I need it. And all I do is write about the stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. The guy that I remember with the uh, home run derby, I think it was Bobby Abreu back in, uh, I think it was 2004. I'm looking at his stats. He had 30 home runs that year, but I think he took part. There was one year where he was hitting a lot of home runs, or maybe maybe it was earlier, but he was hitting a lot of home runs in the first half. Might have been two thousand one because he had thirty one home runs then. But uh, went into the home run derby. Then after that, just kind of like his power seemed his ability to hit home runs kind of faded. But uh, you know, but like I said, since everyone these days has this uh, launch angle, uh, you know, to their swing, you know. I don't think it makes that much of a difference, but it was fun to watch. But uh, interesting time of the year, Scott, because, you know, as I'm uh, recording this fantasy baseball podcast with you, I'm doing a fantasy baseball draft. I'm doing the Scott Fishbowl draft. I did it the, the first 10 rounds live yesterday on on Saturday, which is pretty cool. Very cool. And uh, it's all for charity. So uh, you could go to fantasycares.net and uh, make a donation and whatnot. But this guy, Scott Fish, put the Scott Fishbowl together. Uh, and it's just amazing. I, uh, I forget exactly how many teams uh, are involved, individual teams, uh, but they're all 12 team leagues. But, you know, at the same time, the reason why I bring that up, too, is because it's an interesting team where and I keep on saying this is that at this time of year, so much of your league mates focus gets turned over to football, that it's your turn to shine if you just stay focused on baseball. Yeah. Uh, first, I will tell you that the home run derby you were thinking of is the 2005 oh, okay. home run derby. It was actually okay. at Comerica Park. Bobby Abreu won that event. He had 41 total home runs. He hit 18 in the first half, hit six for the right, rest of the right, season. Right, right, right. Okay, cool. Thank you. Thank you. He I, beat I Pudge. That, it was yeah, very yeah. sad. He Well, he actually beat everybody by a ton. Mm-hmm. But Pudge, the Tiger in his home park, got to play in that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so that was cool. But yeah, this time of year... You know, I get a lot of questions about trades. Mm-hmm. I get a lot of questions. I mean, we talked last week about strategies and how to move up. Um, I actually find that the break and really just, you know, early, the first week or two after the break, I actually try to take it easy for just a little bit, right? I, I try to like sort of slow down, take a look what I got, make my assessments, but it's not always a time for like a flurry of moves for me. Uh, we're going to see a lot of, <clears throat> you know, reaction in the first two weeks after the break, we find a lot of news where it's like so-and-so over the break tweaked their swing. And now look, they've hit two home runs, mm-hmm. right? We see a lot of that stuff happen. Mm-hmm. So I try to wait a little bit, let that play out. Uh, and then, you know, see, you know, guys come back from injury uh, guys, you know, I know one player I'm watching very closely. I, really what I do over the break is sort of be like, all right, who am I really watching? What are some players that I really want to see what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. I think the most important one, and I'll close with it is uh, Bryce Harper. Mm-hmm. Talked about Bryce Harper a couple times. I get a lot of questions. What, what do we expect from Bryce Harper in the second half? And I think the answer is what we've seen plus power, mm-hmm. right? This is around the time that Max Muncy started to get his power back uh, <clears throat> from, from his stuff. Now he, he actually played the whole, you know, he played the whole season. He didn't have as much time off as Harper did, but uh, it's similar injury, similar scenario where there's just not power there. Bryce Harper can hit for average. Max Muncy never could. So that makes a little bit of a difference, but I'm watching Bryce Harper because I want to see if he starts finding that home run pop. I want to mm-hmm. see if a couple more things, like if we see some no doubters, we see some things like that, because that might be the opportunity, right? Because I, what I want, and we actually saw this a little earlier with Manny Machado, 
he he went on a little hot streak and everyone's like, oh, I got to sell high. He's been so bad. I got to sell high now. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not what's happening here. You're not selling high. You're selling, you're actually selling low, hmm. right? You're selling at first opportunity. That's not high. That's just first opportunity. It's not like Machado has been in the league for two years and had one good year and then slumped. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, the guy has a, you know. He a, actually slumps like that every season. You look at the rolling chart, you'll see it. He's, Machado slumps like that every season. He has these horrible points where we're always like, I mean, he even did it last season. We're like, oh, is he is he done? Is he mm. done? No, he's not. Just just the way Manny Machado is. Don't ask me why. Uh, it doesn't really matter why because the result always ends up being the same. He ends up being one of the best third basemen in baseball. So uh, that's there's just so many like hot takes. There's you know I, I'm kind of hoping that what happens is Bryce Harper hits like two or three home runs in a week, and I find someone in my league that's like, oh, I got to sell high. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a fluke. It's a fluke. And I'm like, no, this is what I'm expecting to happen. Right. You're not again, you're not selling. Don't don't confuse selling at first opportunity for selling high. Yeah. yeah right? Because often on a it's guy not. that hits 30 home runs every year. <laughs> come, come on. I know that he's coming off this injury, but come on. The guy uh, again, he has a, a lot of history. It's not like he just, you know, had a couple of good yeah. years and now all of a sudden he's slumped. And but uh, yeah, sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> no, no. I mean, but but that's really the thing, right, is is I'm, I'm looking for players who I hope will have a good buying opportunity uh, because, you know, we, we play this game with our hearts quite a bit mm-hmm. and people give up on guys so fast. Right. Right. Yep. Uh, or, you know, the first, the first whiff of this doesn't seem, you know, th- this is different than it's been. So it's not real. Right. Like mm-hmm. with Christopher Morrell early this season, when he hit like nine home runs in 12 games or something stupid, it was a lot easier to be like, okay, first opportunity is probably also a good sell high point. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, because, you know, there were people that talked to me on Twitter that like, I would take him in the first five rounds of a draft next season. He's not going to be drafted in our, in our mock in mm-hmm. the first 10 no, rounds, no, no, probably no. not. No. Um, but there are players that people are going to think they're selling high on, mm-hmm. um, you know, Tyler glass now on the pitching side is probably one where people might be thinking, oh, I'm just going to sell high. Cause he might get hurt again, but like, well, yes, injury risk is real, but this is the talent. This is mm-hmm. what we thought the talent was going to be. So when they, when a player shows you what you thought they would be, try to believe it, right? If you spend all that time figuring out what you believed a player to be, like Bryce Harper, the power hitter, Manny Machado, the top end third baseman, mm-hmm. it's not like we just made that up. Right. We didn't just say like, oh, well, I like his name. I like yeah. the cut of his jib. Machado just didn't forget how to play, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so when they start looking like the player that you expect them to be, uh, believe it, mm-hmm. at least for a little while, yeah. right? Like that's And that's kind of what I'm doing uh, right now looking for those players. I think Bryce Harper is a big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's probably the biggest one. Um, I can't think of a ton others right off the top of my head. I know Josh Young has, uh, Josh Young has struggled just a little bit, uh, but I do expect him to just be very, very good for the rest of the season. He had a really rough June. Uh, if anyone is down on him, I think they're wrong. I think that that's going to come back. Mm-hmm. If, if his June where he hit like, you know, 240 uh, with a 300 OBP and a 400 slug, if that's the slump, like awesome. That mm-hmm. is what a major league slump looks like. Right. That's right. fine. Mm-hmm. That it just isn't that painful over, you know, mm-hmm. over a long period. Um, so you know, Josh Young is is one, Bryce Harper is one. Um, you know, Manny Machado, I mean, probably too late now, right? Every, mm-hmm. if anyone still thinks this is a sell high opportunity, go go get him. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, Manny, Manny Machado is a top mm-hmm. 20 player. So, you know, make of that what you will. So, I mean, that's that's kind of what I'm doing right now. Okay. Good stuff. So, uh, yeah, so that uh, takes us uh, to the end of this week's episode. It slams the lid on things for today. Uh, my co-host is Scott Chu. You should follow him 
on Twitter at if the chew fits. You could follow me on Twitter at Joe Galina. And uh, hey, if you want to uh, subscribe to our podcast and leave a nice review, we'd appreciate it. But until next next week's episode, we hope that all of your fantasies become realities. And we'll see you next time. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Becoming your strongest financial self? Good plan. Northwestern Mutual's Guide to Good Financial Planning can help you balance spending and saving, set goals, and start creating the life you want to be living. Get it today at northwesternmutual.com slash good plan. The Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.